<laughs> Good evening, everyone. How are you? Come see, come sob. I'll give you a minute. You're welcome. We'll sing Footprints of Jesus and then have our opening prayer. <clears throat> Sweetly. If you would, join me in prayer, please. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful to, to be gathered together tonight again. It's always wonderful being in your presence and worshiping you. Lord, we're, we're thankful for, for Calvin to be able to be out and seeing Arliss. That's a, a real blessing, and we're just very, very thankful for that. Um, Lord, we're thankful for Saul's number of brothers and sisters moving, moving Lois today. She... She needs a lot of help, and Lord, it was just good to see uh, people pitching in and, and helping her. And we pray that you'll bless her and her, her new abode, uh, and that she'll have just some wonderful neighbors there. Lord, there's just a number of people that, that were mentioned today, um, this morning in prayer, and, and uh, in, in the announcements that are just really struggling. Um, and just we pray that you'll continue to be with them, Lord, and just, just help them heal. We know that Isaac just went through a, a sick, over six-hour surgery, and you know, just just blessing, blessing with with some good health and, and recovery. Uh, we're, we're thankful that, that that some of these folks that that have been going through some problems are are seem to be turning the corner on some things, and we continue pray that they'll continue to improve. Lord, we pray here as we're we're going through a. Uh, preacher search that that you'll be with the group and the elders as as that whole process goes forward. Uh, we pray that, Lord, that not our person but yours is the one that goes through and and selected here. We're just thankful to to be part of this body. Thankful to be uh, together with other Christians here in, in harmony. Uh, we know that. Churches sometimes are not at peace, and, and we're blessed to have peace, and we're thankful for it. Lord, most of all, we're, we're thankful for thy son. We, it's amazing that you're mindful of us at all, and, 
and you're mindful of us to such a degree that you would send your son here to this earth because you know we need him so bad. And Lord, we need him every day. It's not like a day goes by where we don't need your grace through what you've done through him and, and we, we just need him and we're very thankful for it. Lord, build us up, help us grow, not just in numbers, but, but in, a, in a good spiritual way. For it's in thy son's Jesus' name we pray, amen. We'll sing, O Master, let me walk with thee for the Lord's Supper. O Master, let me walk with thee. get our minds and hearts in the right place to partake of the Lord's Supper. I'm going to read a few, a few verses from Isaiah chapter 53, accepted even in new cent first century times as, as being fulfillment of, of Jesus being fulfillment of these prophecies. I'll start with Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. Let's pray. Father, as we contemplate the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, sacrifice of his body, the body that you gave to him, you gave him a choice. And yet he, he knew that the only choice was to please you by sacrificing that body, giving it up, so that our sins could be forgiven. Father, help us to, to always be mindful that our, our sins are what completely separated us from you before we knew you. And it's only through his sacrifice, his death on the cross, that we could be reunited in our fellowship with you so, Father, we thank you, and we thank your Son, Jesus Christ, for his sacrifice as we partake of this bread. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. And then just continuing a, a few more verses in chapter 53. 
But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. Let's continue our prayer. Lord, your son had to, had to shed his blood for our sins to be redeemed. Lord, as we partake of this fruit of the vine, help us to remember what a, what a fitting and what a perfect sacrifice it was, unlike the, the millions of animals that were, were slaughtered to roll sins forward under the old covenant his precious blood completely completely redeemed us it's in his name that we pray amen i think everybody knows the the boxes are there for the collection of our gifts of gratitude and generosity and desire to see God's, God's kingdom spread. Let's pray. Lord, help us to have generous hearts like yours. Help us to, to give so that your word can be spread so that everyone on, on this planet has the opportunity to hear your, your gospel, your word in this generation. Lord, we know that there are many who are struggling and suffering in all kinds of problems. But Lord, we also know that the eternal life held out in your gospel is the only solution for, for any of the problems that we face here on the earth. Lord, please bless our gifts and the things that we give to you. Open our hearts. As we open our wallets and purses, thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. If you're able, please stand. Anywhere with Last time I looked back, there weren't as many people. I want to invite you to come back Wednesday night. Wednesday night, we have the peak of the week class. 
It makes the, the rest of the week go a lot better. And we're going to be studying the fruit of the Spirit. So come back then. We're going to try to get all the way through six. Uh, but do come. Tonight, you're going to get my philosophy based on research and what has worked out there and what doesn't work out there. It's one of those things that things continually change. If you were around in 1970, 71, I paid 79 cents for a gallon of gas. Now, it's one of those things that you hold into you whenever it starts going up. But I, I paid 79 cents. Can't find that today. In the 80s, if you wanted to get a call, if you were expecting a call, you had to wait at home. There, there wasn't such a thing as cell phones. Uh, it just wasn't here. And I started thinking about it. I wonder about churches. Have they changed? This is... Paul writing in 1 Corinthians, my brothers, some from Chloe's household, stop. In the first century, if you had a house that could hold anywhere from 8 to 15 people, you were a church. They didn't have this where you can sit, oh, imagine two or 250 or somewhere around there. They didn't have them. They didn't build them. They didn't have the knowledge to build this. It would come later, but at that moment, they couldn't, you, you had to look into a house. Now, what if you were in an area where there wasn't a house big enough? You used landmarks. For us, it'd probably be restaurants, but for them, it was landmarks. Paul's going into a city, he wants to find the church, and somebody tells him, go to the gate to the riverside and there's a place of prayer. And he went and there they were. So if you can imagine, y'all go down to the river and specify a place in the river and that's where we have church. They did that a lot in the first century. They didn't have church buildings. They didn't come around to almost the 5th century. So they used things like homes and special locations. And that's where church was. Now knowing that and applying what I've known, the church has evolved too. If you are a traditionalist, a traditionalist did what he was told. If they said there were three services and you will be here for all three services, you were here for all three services. There weren't any excuses. Second, they had something called gospel meetings back there. I don't know if you remember gospel meetings, but gospel meetings went two weeks. in the 1940s. And Sue said she had been in gospel meetings. The preacher spoke for over an hour. But the rate they give on all these informations is they talked an hour. Now, rest assured, I'm not going to talk an hour tonight. Then come the boomers. That's my generation. I like my boomers. But the boomers were totally different than the traditionalists. You know, get it right, or the traditionalists. The boomers are relationships. We like 
people. And we like to have people around us. And the more people, the better. This is the age why you had so many different kinds of groups around. Churches grew quickly. But we also had the flip side of the coin. We had cults. And if cults felt comfortable and they were growing, they were very appealing. All of a sudden, you don't have to be here for every service. In the boomer age, you could skip one or two. And that time that you were not here, you could go elsewhere and find people. And if there was a people event, you went to the people event. This is the age of Woodstock that musical thing in New York. The two-week meetings were down to one week. But something happened in 1951 that changed the way the boomers looked at everything. In 1951, there was a close election, both in the selection and in the campaign. Both the Republicans and Democrats didn't know who they were running because one man had never registered in any party. So everything was up in a, a turmoil and people wanted to see it. So they went out and bought televisions. Televisions didn't take off until 1951. When they took off in 1951, the candidate that couldn't decide which party to be decided to register and he became president of the United States, Dwight D. Eisenhower. So now you're spending more time at home watching the TV and this new thing comes on the TV that didn't originally start with them called commercials. You had more show than you had commercials back then. And people tuned in and they watched. And so, the speakers noticed that the, the amount of time people could give you attention was about 45 minutes. And after 45 minutes, you're starting to talk to the lights. That's a lot less than an hour or so. Then came the busters. My daughter's a buster. And they looked not for people as much as people that they could get close to. Attendance on Sunday night and Wednesday night was optional. They would spend time with their close friends. Rule keeping was out. The idea was to live a good life. But the strictness of the religion that had happened before was gone. Attention span drops to 30 to 35 minutes. And all of a sudden, people started dropping out of church. This is the first generation that we saw a decline in church attendance. Career was a sage. Then came the millennials. And the millennials are the technological people. A new thing started happening. Up to the digital, uh, the people who came before this, the busters, the busters had a habit of you go to college, get a career, you get married when you get out of college, and you have kids, and because you have kids, you go to church. Not the millennials. The millennials took the stand, you get a good career. And if that means multi-degrees, that means you go to college for a long time. 
And if that means going for the highest degrees, that's what you did because you wanted the best jobs, the best paying jobs that were available. So they didn't get married when they graduated college. They established a career, which meant they didn't have children because they were going after their career, which means you've got a big gap of time that we're losing people because they're not being born and we're not getting them into Sunday school and we're not getting them educated for all that time that their parents waited. They waited and still do wait between late 30s and early 40s to have a child. That's a long time. You say, well, what's, what else about them? Success is number one. And watch the attention span. It is now down to 20 to 25 minutes. After you go 20 to 25 minutes, you lose them. As you know, my daughter teaches college. At her college, she has 55-minute classes. She teaches for about 15 to 20 minutes, and then they do another activity. Sometimes they break up into small groups. Other times she gives them a, a writing assignment instead of listening to lectures and taking notes. But they do something different. Why? So she can get the attention span back. Knowing that, you sit down and say, with all this change, what chance do we have in the church? Millennials have produced the fewest church members of any group. Churches have shut their doors because the millennials are not attending. And that includes all churches across the board, not just churches of Christ. But it's true for us, too. Oh, got to have that. Worship changes this group. This group does not want just truth. They want to feel it. They want that emotion to feel what's happening. And if they don't feel the emotion, they're bored. So preachers have got to know to, to spice it up with some emotion. Jokes, making them laugh, helps. But making the, the subject important helps in the churches of Christ. Okay, I got thinking whenever I went through all this technical stuff, what would Jesus do if he was here today? And I started looking at things, and I came up with some verses. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they followed, they, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Let me ask you a couple of questions. What do you know about the disciples and Jesus? Jesus was much older than the disciples. They were young. He was older. They were fishermen. They didn't like religion. They didn't follow religion. And that's why you had Peter going up and saying, go away from me, I'm a sinful man. He wasn't kidding. He was a sinful man. So why did Jesus choose them? Younger? Not as righteous? In fact, not wanting to be righteous. I think it's because they were important even though they wanted him to go away because they were sinful, Jesus looked at those 12 and said, y'all are important. 
multitudes. Jesus went through the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. And when the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. I wonder what kind of people were in the crowds that he looked at. Well, if the biblical scholars are right, the word Jews means it was a large crowd of different kind of people. There probably were some Gentiles in it. There probably were some that didn't follow any religion, although they could claim that they were Jewish. There was old, there was young. And when Jesus sees them and how thoroughly they are confused and how they were looking for some direction, he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of harvest to send out his labors into his harvest. In Matthew 12, the disciples are going through the grain vines, uh, going through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and they're hungry, so they begin to pluck grain, which is against the Pharisees' law. And the Pharisees are right there watching him. And they go to Jesus and says, look what your disciples are doing. It's not lawful on the Sabbath. And he said, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which wasn't lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you know what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. They had their laws, and their laws were supreme. Did it say that you shouldn't pick grain on the Sabbath? Well, technically, no. But it was a law, well-known law that you didn't do it. And David, did he really go in and eat the bread just for the priest? Yeah, he did. Was it against the law? Yeah, it was. But the Pharisees looked at it as the law is supreme, and Jesus looked at it as people. People are better than laws. So go learn what it means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He went from there and entered a synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So they might accuse him. And Jesus said to them, which of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Now, the law was there not to work on the Sabbath. The Pharisees enforced it. They enforced it to the nth detail. And Jesus uses the sheep and says, how much more valuable is a man than a sheep? So is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? And he says to the man, stretch out your hand. The man stretched it out and it was restored healthy like the other, but the Pharisees went out and conspired against him to destroy him. I'm going to rush through this because I'm going over now. What's all this got to do? Well, in this day, children weren't considered people. And when they came to Jesus, the disciples are saying, go away, leave him alone. 
He's got enough to do with real people. And Jesus says, uh, let him come to me. You see, the difference between Pharisees and Jesus was when they evolved. The Pharisees evolved in a break between the Old Testament and the New Testament. They were sort of the offshoot opposing the Sadducees. And their law had become to the extreme, and Jesus says, that's not what it's all about. People are what it's all about. If you're, with a, if you're a boomer, and you're with millennials, how do you relate to them? Mostly, you want to run away. My grandsons were up. And Oliver, who is 10, going to be 11, was trying to teach me programming. He got frustrated with me and quit. Why? How did he know so much? That's his generation. And he can pretty well cheat games. He knows what to go in and change. I don't know that stuff. So I bend and I make him the authority at that time because it's his subject. He knows it. I don't. you got to get into the or, or other person's world. And this is where I think we miss it. We hang on to what we've been taught since knee-high to a tadpole. And what the other people are being taught since knee-high to the tadpole is very different. We need to bend. We don't need to insist that they have church like we have always had church. They don't need to, to come to the place that they have opinions that we have that are godly opinions. We need to bend enough to let them know that we love them and we care about them. I'm around children. And when I'm around children, I listen more than I talk. Because if you give somebody, oh, five or six, the floor, they will take it. And they will talk. And they will tell you everything about their life that they know. And if they confuse you, ask them a question. Are you saying that? And they'll tell you, yes or no. But you can get into your child's life any child's life, if they're important. This is called cross-generalization. And what it means is, this group might not be what you are, but that's fine. You get into his world, and eventually he'll come into yours. You take the time to be Jesus to them. He said, well, how can you be Jesus? Well, you can become Jesus by doing things the way Jesus did. And this church has got such a head start. You get to know people. We have a, a five-minute rule where you can go around and meet the visitors, and if the visitors aren't here, you can talk to people. I think that shows how much we love people. And you're some of the most loving in this group. You care deeply about others. And when you care deeply about others, you're getting close to being Jesus. Because that's how he lived. 
that's why getting our, a broadcast out is important. They need some people to, to talk to. They need some people that will be there to teach them and thinks enough of them that when they're sick and they can't get here, we'll go there. I think I've got more compliments over something I had nothing to do with. And that's going on the internet. And the people who couldn't come because they were at risk, who heard every service by watching the internet. You see, the more people that you get to know, the more you'll see that they have a special place. If someone's in need, we're someone who cares. If someone's lonely, we're there to let them know they're important and listen. If they need clothes or food, we're there. And we do all that. That's cross-generational. We're going to feed people again tomorrow. You know how many people are there in different generations? We have some very, I don't want to call them old, we have some people who have spend enough time here and they don't have enough money to go from week to week unless somebody comes along and gives them groceries. I had a young lady, 88 years old, give me a kiss right there. I kept it from Sue, don't tell her. I've had little boys just come out and hug on me. Mothers weren't happy that he was out of the car, but he was out of the car hugging on my leg. You pick him up and you put him back in and you smile and say, he's cute. And we've had people ask for things that you just couldn't believe. We care. Old, young, middle-aged doesn't matter about race, doesn't matter about what kind of car you drive, it doesn't matter whether you can read or write. The church here cares. And if you pick up that ball and start caring about other people and not insisting on your way, you'll be like Jesus. If you've never repented of your sins and baptized for remission of those the way they were in Acts 2, we can do that. If you've once done that and you're no longer living for him who died for you, we can help there too. If there's a way that we can help you find Jesus, won't you come? Why together we're to stand and sing.
Thank you, Mike, for that very thought-provoking message. We appreciate it. I'm going to update you on a few of our sick. Uh, as Mike mentioned in his prayer, Isaac White was uh, in surgery for more than six and a half hours. They don't know for sure if it was successful, but they feel good about it. Beverly Don Sill's son was diagnosed with multiple myeloma and has started chemo and dialysis. Pat Ortkees will be having back surgery on Wednesday in Melbourne. Please pray for all these. Uh, I was thinking about some other things that Mike mentioned in his prayer. We've got some proof of this, the strength of prayer right here. When you look at Calvin and Arliss and Peter that just walked in the door, as well as many others, that's proof of, of the success of prayer. Please pray for these. I'd also ask you to pray for Paul Securo, who recently lost his wife. I can't imagine going through that. We'll have our final song and then be led in our closing prayer. <clears throat> Let the closing prayer tonight is gratitude for Jesus in my life, especially after hearing tonight's lesson. And I remember in 1960, when I went to church with my mom, and I would hold her hand and go to church, and that's what I was brought up, because my mom was a Christian, and that's why I have two Christian names. And um, it was the start of my life, and um, she told me that people are most important, and that's what I got out of tonight's lesson. And another thing, I was told that Jesus is always with me everywhere I go. I never have to be alone, and that is the way it's been in my life. And he's always all about me. He loves me. I am the most loved by him. And he heals me, and we've, that's been proven many times. And uh, he forgives me for my sins, and um, he listens to my prayers. What a great thing to have in a life. You never have to be alone, and you have a superpower that cares about you that is all about love. And um, in this world where we don't see love, it's so much to see it being here. And coming here on Sunday night, I see it, and I am able to give it because it is given to me so much just like in our lesson tonight. And when our first song we talked about Jesus being with us everywhere, that is so true in my life. And um, what did we hear tonight that wasn't the truth? Everything was the truth and we live it every day and it's such a wonderful thing to have in our life and the freedom to worship such a person as Jesus Christ and have him in our life. And I can go home and sleep well tonight and feel good that I'm loved. And I saw many people right here standing here that I can honestly say I love. In Jesus' name, amen.